Hi, and welcome to the Metal and Pedal podcast, No Hesitations. I'm your host, Jay Joyner, and today we are thrilled to have one of my favorite people in Athens on our podcast. Um, You can hear in my voice, (laughs) it was so exciting to sit down with entrepreneur and chef Peter Dale. In the interview, you'll hear him talk about fun things like his guilty pleasures and his personal life, and also about his business motto, his mentors, and kind of his history. Peter is truly a man of mystery. He's a he's a very quiet guy and a little bit shy, and so it was really fun to ha- have him um, chat with me for an hour and allow his personality to just shine. I hope you really enjoy it because I sure did. Let's get to Peter. So I'm really excited today to be joined in the studio by Peter Dale. (laughs) Peter is a friend of mine, and we've known each other for about 10 years, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. He is an amazing entrepreneur, chef. He owns the National Restaurant in Athens, uh, Sea Bear, um, and Condor Chocolates. And Condor Chocolates, you're in business with your brother. That's right. And Sea Bear, you are in business with Patrick. Um, and uh, Noah. And so Noah. Three, there's three of us at Sea Bear. Yep. Um, and then there's now, there, at the National, I'm not by myself either. So uh, Aaron Wilson, who's been our general manager, right. recently um, became a partner as well. Fantastic. Um, and then we have a couple other uh, partners. So there's kind of a team of us there. Are you the head chef for all of the... Uh, the restaurants. No, um, I, yeah, just at the National. Okay. And, but I have a great um, chef de cuisine, Jeremy, who helps me do all the day to day at the National. Um, Patrick and is the chef at Sea Bear, um, and then actually Maypole. Also, we have um, a chef, Bryson. Right, you have Maypole too. I can't keep up with all your entities. I'm just like, I'm for, always forgetting one because you're so amazing. Oh no. Well, so and then well, Condor. Um, we have Tori um, and Lucy who actually make all the truffles, and, and, and then my brother and his team make the, the chocolate itself in the beginning phase. So, um, you know, it's all about having a great team. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, let's start. You're, you're kind of the, a man of mystery to me. Like, I know you, but I don't yeah. know a ton about you. You're very quiet. Um, you're very humble, which is which is amazing because a lot of chefs and a lot of entrepreneurs are very loud and you know boastful, and you are definitely not that way. So let's let's get to know you a little bit. Okay, right, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see how that. See how much I reveal. <laughs> My man of mystery. All right. So you are from Athens. Yeah, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, born at Athens General. <laughs> so that dates me. That's you know now Piedmont. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but your parents are not from Athens. No, they moved here in '73. I was born in '76. Okay. So my dad is from a tiny town in New York. So when people hear New York, you know it's not the city. He was from a tiny town in the Catskill Mountains. Nice. Uh, and then my mom is from Ecuador. Right. And they met when my dad was traveling in Ecuador. He was in the Peace Corps in Chile and was working his way north and met a girl on a bus in Ecuador. 
Um, there were a few things that made things a little bit easier. One is that my mom worked for an airline, so she was able to fly, um, which at that time, people didn't fly like they do now. Right, now. And then my dad, um, well, he's from New York, and so actually my mom's mom, mm -hmm. my maternal grandmother, had divorced her husband, and this is really rare at that time in Ecuador, even now, it's rare, very Catholic country, mm -hmm. and she moved to New York City. She mm -hmm. was um, kind of a badass. That's awesome. And uh, was, was living her life in New York City. Just so my, did her thing. She did her thing, and so my mom would go see her mom mm -hmm. in New York City, and so that was close to where my dad's family was. So there were some things that made that connection and relationship easier. Right. Um, but. That's so, still a, a yeah, very happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> so you met a beautiful woman on a bus. Yeah. And started talking to her. Yeah. Uh, the bu apparently at that time the bus would stop for lunch, and down there the uh, the bus would stop like in a little villa in a town, and there would be a plaza, and so you'd stop and sit down and in the plaza and have like a proper lunch. Nice. And, uh, I, think I, that I miss the olden days. I know. Right? Wouldn't that be there nice? Were some really nice things. <laughs> Um, like, yeah, it would have made bus travel more, more appealing. Definitely. But, uh, but you'd sit down and have a proper lunch. And so I think she was by herself and he asked if he could sit with her. Yeah. And they started, started a conversation. So that led to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fast forward to, uh, well, they got married in my grandparents' backyard up in New York state. And then my dad's college roommate, my dad went to school. It's now called Eckerd college in St. Petersburg, Florida, but he, his roommate there was from Athens coincidentally. And oh, wow. He, my dad decided um, after the Peace Corps that he wanted to work in agriculture. He mm -hmm. wanted to feed people. Um, Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, his college roommate was from Athens and said, you should check out the University of Georgia. They have a good ag school. Right. And so they packed up uh, their van after the wedding and drove to Athens and started school. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was in 73. And then I came along three years later. So do you get your love for cooking and food from your father? Well, I think that uh, we we ate, um, I mean, we ate really well, and we ate food that was different than what people were eating around us. Mm -hmm. And your mom is the cook in your house, or your dad? My, no, my mom, my mom is, and the interesting thing is that in Ecuador, less so now, but when she was growing up, you know, everybody had a maid. And so she actually didn't learn how to cook in Ecuador. Interesting. Uh, because there was, there was so, someone mm -hmm. who would cook at home. And right. So she came here and my dad started cooking and my mom will laugh and tell you stories about my dad making spam and eggs and <laughs> um, just some terrible things. Uh, and so she quickly realized she needed to learn how to cook. Right. And so she got a Betty Crocker cookbook, which I bet people <laughs> may recognize right. from the early 70s and had this orange, it was like a binder and you could take the pages out. My so mom definitely has it. Has like yeah. an orange yes. cover. Yeah. So a lot of my childhood was from that. Right. Um, and then my dad always grilled. So I think we were pretty kind of traditional in that way. Mm -hmm. where dad grills <laughs> and mom, mom does everything else. So. Um, but we, but that, you know, so then there was some very American things, but then my dad's family, he's half Greek. So we always had lamb on special occasions. And like when I was a kid, our neighbors were not having lamb on Easter. They were having right. lamb. Uh, and then my mom would started to introduce some Ecuadorian flavors. And I remember when the Kroger on the East side got, uh, started carrying cilantro cause that was not 
Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. What year that would have been. Right. At some point in the 80s, cilantro arrived in Athens, and that was a big deal because that was that's such a key flavor right. in Latin cuisine. So right. Um, and then we traveled a lot. Right. So going to visit family in Ecuador, where we still have a lot of family. Mm-hmm. Then my dad had conventions, and we always went along in the summer. So we would always, um, if we were traveling in the U.S., we would often seek out like a Greek restaurant or you know just some cuisine that we didn't have in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Ecuador, we would eat all kinds of stuff that we weren't that we didn't see here. Right. So we had a pretty like broad palate. Right. From the beginning. Right. Um, and then I just liked food. Yeah. I'm a fat kid and I loved to eat. So, I <laughs> Were mean, you really? It, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, part of it was uh, not necessarily cooking. It was being the consumer. Right. Uh, and, and, and enjoying things. I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I was really little and my uncle came to visit. And at the time, this is real early 80s. And there weren't a lot of like nice restaurants in Athens. There was a steak and ale mm, on Broad Street. Mm-hmm. So um, our uncle took it or... My uncle took us to steak and ale, which was a big occasion. Right, big deal. And I remember ordering a whole lobster. And every and that, you know. Unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't order a whole lobster. But I was kind of a gourmand. Like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, lived it up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that story. I can see you now. Um, so you kind of started your life with people from different ends of the earth, you know, different walks of life. And yeah. you you had this mix of cultures. Uh-huh. Um, and that also led to your nomadic ways. I'm a nomad. I think you are too in our hearts. We like yeah. to travel and roam and have new experiences. And that also led to, you know, you really enjoying food and learning about food and wanting to be part of that. And I know one of the big things that you're really into, which is why the National and Maypole and Sea Bear are my favorite restaurants in town because um, you really focus on fresh and and really um, good eating. And whenever I've been on different, you know, lifestyle things, you know, I was paleo for two years, I could always come in and get something that was really good for me and fresh. And that's just so key. Mm-hmm. But the real question is why? So besides all of that, what was, what made you decide to do what you're doing? Why did you become a chef? Well, uh, I was working um, at I worked for a congressman after college. I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I moved to Washington, D.C., and that's kind of a whole another life and a whole story how that all happened. Uh, and then I had some real, I had some wonderful mentors at the University of Georgia. So I grew up here, went to Georgia, right. and had some awesome experiences in college. And when I decided I wanted to do something after politics, I um, thought that working in higher education would be really a great experience because I love working with... Um, college-age students are really interesting to me because they're um, they're really wide open. They want to learn and experience, and I, I just like that age. And actually, mm-hmm. I, so I still work with a lot of people who are in their late teens, early twenties, yeah. kind of figuring out their life. And I think that's an interesting, um, you know, age group to, to surround. Absolutely, because as we gr- as we get older, we close our doors and we close off our energy. I think, and we're not as receptive and responsive to. Sure new ideas and new things. Yeah, so I think that that age group, which is, you know, a lot of our employees, they uh, they they keep me up to date on what's going on in the world. Right, right. I feel like, you know, otherwise I would have no idea about <laughs> music or you know, slang or right. hashtags or memes. I'm always Googling something in the office, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> always. Just to keep up with them. Um, but I, so I, re- I 
thought that uh, working in higher, higher education administration was, was the route that I wanted to work in. And so I, I came back to Athens after DC, worked at UGA for a year, and I had a wonderful experience, but realized that I still hadn't found what I was looking for. Passion. Right. Yeah. And actually what I realized is that I can't sit still at a desk all day. And so <laughs> at my job at UGA, we were required to be at our desk at, at 8 a.m. Also, I don't really love a lot of rules. And I thought that even <laughs> That's a true entrepreneur <laughs> right there. Doesn't want to sit at a desk, yeah. doesn't like rules. Absolutely. I'm my, right there with you. You know, my position was recruiting and fundraising. So I wasn't actually working with students on campus. So right. I just, in my head, I was like, why do I need to be at my desk at 8 a.m.? Right. There's no students rolling in here that are, or no one that I'm meeting with right. at 8 a.m. It seemed arbitrary to me and I didn't like that. So I realized that I, I, I needed to do something creative. I had always, um, as a kid, um, my favorite subject was art. Um, I did these after-school art classes. So I just had this creative energy that I hadn't found an outlet for as an adult. Right. And so I realized that... How old were you at this time? When this you were... was um, like 24. Okay. So... You were still young. I was still young, but when I think when you're 24... Not that you're not young now, but <laughs> you were <laughs> No, but I but when you're when you're that age you you know you see people who are your age if you're 24 25 who are um, you know have a great job they're in yeah. this like career path they're starting to get married and if you don't have some of those things figured out you feel like you're behind you're, you're behind yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, so I felt like I was kind of behind and I needed to figure out what was going on and I think maybe Oprah had there was something about a quarter life crisis which seems so dumb now but but I guess I was having a quarter life crisis, like, you know. Thanks, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, right? I think a lot of people have made big life decisions based on something Oprah suggested. Um, but yeah, I just realized that I just wanted to do something different yeah. and change. Um, and not that I was like fundamentally unhappy there. No, I, I, yeah. You know, but I probably wasn't, a, I know I wasn't a great employee because I wasn't passionate about like what that work that I was doing. Yeah. Like I love the University of Georgia, but, but I wasn't passionate about that, that position yeah. yeah yeah so I well and I've, I've, I've said this in, in other situations I and I hate to sound like dramatic or exploitive but 9-11 uh, happened mm-hmm. uh, and my takeaway from that was that life is short, short. absolutely and if you yeah. don't if you're unhappy mm-hmm. then change it yeah change what you're doing and, and because you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow so uh, it wasn't long actually I'd already um, like resigned but gave like a long notice and people in the office after 9-11 asked are you sure you want to leave this is like a very stable job we don't know what's going on in the mm-hmm. world and, and actually I was like no this is like this was meant to be this, this like helped you make the decision that yeah, you yeah confirmed yes. what I had already decided so uh, I traveled for the rest of the year I left in October um, and came back kind of I'd already started thinking about food um, it's just a, a way that it was something that I was passionate about. I loved cooking. Um, we entertained a lot growing up, mm-hmm. so I loved, um, you know, entertaining and sharing. Um, and then I loved learning about cultures, and of course, I loved eating. And it just seemed like a, a, a way to capture all that. And right. then you're not at a desk. Right. Uh, and you're, you know, unless you're cooking breakfast, you're probably not at work at 8 a.m. So, right. Uh, it seemed to encapsulate all the things I was looking for. So when I came back, um, I had a friend um, introduce me to Five and Ten, which had just opened. Okay. In, five, in the original location, and it was 
she took me to dinner there and we sat at the bar and I still remember what we ate and it was really different than anything I'd ever had in Athens before or anything that I had at all. And so the next day um, I went back and asked to speak to the chef who was Hugh Atchison and mm-hmm. um, just sort of said, you know, I've never worked in a restaurant but I'm really interested in food. I want to learn about the restaurant business. Can I hang out here or, you know, to see what it's like? And so we set up this informal apprenticeship. So that's how wow. that that ball got rolling. That's amazing. You just went back and decided to sit, like just introduce yourself and make your own way. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it sounds pretty crazy, but I don't know. Well, I think when you want to. When you want something, you'll make yeah. opportunities for yeah, yourself. It yeah. Seem, it doesn't seem crazy because it's like, it's your goal. Yeah. So, and I mean, honestly, I had no, I'd never worked in a restaurant. I didn't know if I actually wanted to do that. Yeah. The only experience I'd had with food was as a camp count, summer camp counselor. And we had like once a week, we had to like serve the kids breakfast. And I, I didn't really <laughs> like it because it was like, it was steam tables. Right. They were like portioning out grits. Yeah. Like, hot summertime and steam. Right. And I was like, this sucks. So um, fortunately that didn't deter me. <laughs> so you were testing the waters really to see sure. if it was a good fit for you. Yeah. And on it, I think that in my back of my head was to um, see what it was like and then go to culinary school. Okay. And um, and then I actually got, I applied to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America, mm-hmm. and to, to get... This was, story was about to take a whole nother turn. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wish it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, that would have been... I was like, you've done a lot more than I thought you, <laughs> <laughs> you've done. But, uh, but the CIA and the better schools mm-hmm. require um, at least a year of of experience working in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, you know, work at, work at five and 10 for a year and then go to school. And I had applied and was accepted. And then the money part came up and I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about the money. Right. And so back then, and I can't even imagine what it costs now, but two years in the Hudson Valley was about $60,000. Um, and it seemed like that was a lot to pay because the salary that you would get when you graduated culinary school, it's not like going to law school or med school. You're, you're, you'll make the same Yeah. As, as, as not going to school. Right. So I thought a lot about it and realized that I'm, I learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a visual learner mm-hmm. uh, and I already had an undergraduate degree. So I didn't need to check that box off right. or have another college experience. So I decided to continue working at 5 and 10 mm-hmm. uh, and then travel Right. and use the money for travel. Yeah. I feel that experience is sometimes, most times, <laughs> overshadows um, or can be way more valuable than proper education for certain fields, sure. especially in the arts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's certain fundamentals that that I learned by working that maybe I would have learned faster. Right. <laughs> instructed and tested and that kind of thing. But but creativity is you can't teach that. No. And there's certain inherent skills that people have. Um, you know, you have an inherent ability to design. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, a home, right? Or a work and I wasn't, place. I wasn't taught that, or, or yeah. to, I wasn't also taught to run a business. I've had to yeah. figure out how to have a business, run a business, own a business through trial and error. Yeah. You know, and the whole running a business—that's a whole. That's what I was about to ask. Thing. So it's yeah. one thing that you started cooking in the kitchen, and you became—you were the sous chef, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, for well, how many? Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. 
for how many years? Uh, five years, and then then we opened the national. Okay, it actually, it was pretty quick. That is quick. Uh, yeah. And how did you learn about the the art of business? That was like trial and error. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't always very good at it. I don't even know. If, I don't think I am that great at it now. I fortunately have you know people in my life who help right. me with that. Right. But that's. But you had to learn how to like do payroll and run, you know, like, did you learn yeah. that from five, watching five and 10 or did you learn that just through so, going through it? Well, the opportunity to open the national came about, uh, through, um, some, I was helping a friend cater an event and, and Brigida who opened Cine, uh, was at the event and enjoyed the food and then contacted me and while I felt like I could create a menu and lead a kitchen, I didn't know how to run a restaurant. And so I approached Hugh, uh, and at that point, he had thought about opening another restaurant but hadn't done it yet, um, opening a second restaurant. And so I asked him to, to be a part of this mm-hmm. uh, because he knew how to run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those were a skill set that I didn't have. Right. So I, um, and again, so like learning by doing, it was sort of absorbing watching the whole process yeah creating a new restaurant from scratch because I'd never never done been it a part of that so um, what yeah. was your what was your first year like running, running the, the, the restaurant yeah tell uh, me about your first year I mean it was crazy I, I uh, <laughs> well, you and I were talking about this the other day uh-huh. when I was telling you that sometimes on Friday nights I come home from work and cry yeah. I sit in my car and cry not because anything's wrong yeah. but because I'm so mentally and physically and emotionally drained and you right. said that you've had similar experiences yeah, for sure yeah i mean it's 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 a full body experience like, <laughs> that's physical <laughs> and mental exhaustion. yes and but it's it's when it's your name and it's your reputation and your your deal you're all in yeah you ha- yeah and so to succeed you have to be all in i yeah absolutely so yeah i didn't i didn't know any different Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it was being naive and at that point you know I didn't have a partner I was you know I was on my own you know I have a wonderful family but um, but yeah I didn't have to be responsible for anybody I didn't have a dog yet you know right. so I could just you yeah or seven yeah I remember there was I don't know if I told you there was one day in particular I remember having to be at the restaurant at 6 a.m. to let in a repairman this is early on and then worked lunch work dinner and it was a Friday, and so sort of, even though it's not the end of the week in restaurants, it felt like the right, end of the week. Right, right. And ended up, we had sort of had a bar crowd that night, and then ended up hanging out with some friends who dropped by, and then helped the bartender close up, and I left the building at 3 a.m. And, and I was wow. like, that's, yeah. yeah, that's not sustainable long-term. But, no. But that's, you know, it's part of the beginning. It is part of the beginning. I had many days like that right. when we when Metal and Metal opened. Graham and I both have. So you, now you've had the national for it's going to be twelve years. Twelve summer. years. Yeah, it's crazy. So how do you keep learning and improving? How do you keep improving the national? How do you keep improving yourself as a business owner and a chef? What are some of the things that you do to always keep bettering yourself and and your business? Well, I think in any creative field, like taste change and styles change. So while we certainly have dishes that have been on the menu since we opened um, we try to evolve but but not so abruptly that people think that things are changing in a big you don't way. rock the boat yeah yeah, yeah. we wanted to be, we, we always wanted to be um, a comfortable place a community place um, 
we're we're not going to be you know the most cutting edge. We want we want there to be a certain familiarity, but at the same time maybe introduce new flavors or combinations. Um, so for me, it's travel is a huge part of how yeah. I uh, recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, I always come back from trips with new ideas and energy. Yep, um, me sure. too, absolutely. And you just went to Morocco, which yeah. I'm sure you brought back a lot of ideas and. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is, like, it's not like you get back and then you rewrite the menu and it suddenly. Right. No. Totally Moroccan. And it's also menu. not not it's not that like. Um, black and white. It's more of like how your experiences seep into your soul and then how that comes out of your fingertips and your, yeah. 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 And so, you know, slowly there's little things that I've worked in that are ideas that I got in Morocco and there are more things to come because some of the things were more like that are more appropriate for fall and winter that, you know, it just hasn't been appropriate to, to bring out yet. So, uh, so you feel like travel is a big part of how you constantly reinvent you know, the menu, reinvent, you know, re-charge um, yourself. Sure. Um, then in food, especially the national, we you know, buy from a lot of local farms. So a lot of the, the menu is driven, um, cer- certainly all the produce is driven by what is available locally. Right. Um, and we certainly, you know, not to say that we, we don't bring things in. Right. Um, you know, there's no pomegranates here or citrus right. or, you know, a lot of, you know, think the core things, yeah, uh, ingredients. But we definitely, the menu is guided by by the farmers. Yeah, um, and I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Seeing the farm printed on the menu where the chicken came from or the vegetables. I mean, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's it, it it honestly it makes our life a lot easier because we we develop this relationship. We know these farmers. We trust them. We know that what they bring us is going to be great. Right. Um, they're not. Well, you go to their farms too. You're, yeah. You we visit them. Visit. Yeah. Uh, and then we we know that they're not going to bring it to us until it's ripe. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and, and that it's good. So um, that's it, it's a luxury. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, um, for sure. They, they, you know, people say that restaurants are, you know, hard work, but farming is. That's oh yeah. It takes for takes sure. Yeah. So let's talk about some hard things. Mm-hmm. What has been your biggest struggle? The biggest struggle is learning to delegate. <laughs> we <laughs> also had this conversation <laughs> the other night. Is it, it, It's hard to let something go. Uh, and also when you're busy, it is hard to take the time to train someone mm-hmm. to do part well, of your job, right? Because it, in the short term, it's a lot easier to just do it yourself really quickly. Um, but long term, that's not good. No, <laughs> I'm learning that the hard way, uh, and so that's something that I that I am trying to be better at. Right, delegating. Yeah. So your advice delegate. is to delegate early on. Get a good yeah. team, get yeah. people you trust, and delegate. Because it, it, it empowers them. And yeah. And it mm-hmm. gives them responsibility. And, mm-hmm. and they want that. They mm-hmm. want to feel like they have a stake in it, that they have responsibility. They want to grow. You know, they are a lot like I was, mm-hmm. and they want to learn. And, and, you know, I hope that they want to do their own thing yeah. one day. Right. Uh, and they need to learn and have that skill set. So... Um, it's not only helping you, it's, it's helping them as long as you do it in a, you know, a, a responsible, reasonable way. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I've actually seen some business owners who delegate everything away 
too soon and yeah. hands aren't in it. Enough. It's hard to find a balance. So it I'm is. I'm a delegator. Mm-hmm. I like I don't mind delegating, yeah. but I'm also controlling and bossy. <laughs> so I when someone does something that I don't the way that I don't see it in my head, then I am disappointed as opposed to what I'm trying to learn was what Brene Brown says, which is clear is kind. So I'm trying to teach myself or reteach myself to start in the beginning when I'm explaining a task or explaining something that needs to be done very clearly so that I'm arming um, my team with the right tools Mm -hmm. to do the job that the way I see it or I need it done because I have a strategy behind almost everything we do here. And so that's something I'm learning um, because it's one thing to be like, yeah, yeah, go do this. It's another to say, here's why this is important. And here's, here's where it fits in the big picture. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And not to sort of take things, you don't want to be over explain and condescend. Yeah. People can take it the wrong way, but also I feel like in the past I haven't been good about, um, yeah, explaining what I, what I want, right, or what I'm looking for, and what done detail. looks like. That's yeah. one of the things that she says in her podcast mm-hmm. with Gwyneth Patrol on Goop. She says, mm-hmm. "Say to your um, team, this is what done looks like." And I so I'm that. trying to do that here, mm-hmm. um, because what my done is is not necessarily a new design assistant's done because she doesn't know, you know. So, is that also been your biggest lesson, or what has been your biggest lesson? lesson that I've learned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I would certainly say that. The other lesson is uh, understand your clientele. Because if the National were in New York City, the menu might look a little different. Right. Um, It it definitely would look a little different. And while as a creative person, and I, I know that you encounter this, you walk into a situation and you have a definite idea about mm-hmm. what is going to look and feel the best in a certain space. And then your client may have a different opinion. And so you have to let go of some of what you brought to accommodate. Absolutely. To find this happy right. place where you feel like you've, you've provided them a service, you've, you've improved something, mm-hmm. but then also they are in love with it. Right. And so the same in a restaurant, like, you know, Sometimes people in Athens, Georgia don't want to eat what I want to make them. Right. And that's fine. And I think that that takes a little bit of time to, to become, become comfortable with and aware of. Yes. Is understanding that maybe changing a dish so that your guests like it you know, it's fine. And it's not like diminishing you as a creative person. Yeah. Um, You have to get comfortable with that. Because, you know, what we're in hospitality and I think sometimes restaurants and chefs and, you know, we we think that we are these artists and we are creating this thing and it's our gift to the world. Um, But I subscribe more to the opinion that we are in hospitality and that while I have a definite opinion and I want to serve a certain thing or you know flavor Mm -hmm. profile um i also need to make sure that my guest who you know is a guest in our space is you know is respected and and is having an experience that they that's exactly that you know we're so connected because that's what i say we are Mm -hmm. in a service business here yeah we are here to serve our clients to give them a beautiful interior to um that they love Mm -hmm. at the end of the day when we finish a project I'm not living in it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I don't own it. 
you know? So I want to, while I have my opinions of how mm-hmm. it should look, which are always a little more forward mm-hmm. than my clientele, mm-hmm. um, I want to make sure that each space is truly theirs. And yep. that's exactly how I tell all the team, like we are in the service industry. Right. That's why when we go out, <laughs> to different cities, Graham and I are always talking to everyone in service. We're mm-hmm. always talking to the bartenders and the waitress, waitstaff because like, that's my connection. Uh-huh. Like I know what they're dealing with and going yeah. through because we are in service. We are yeah. not here to just be these like interior designers that walk in in high heels mm-hmm. and say, this is the only thing you can do. Yeah. This is your look. Yeah. We want to make sure that it fits you. And yeah. I love that you do that. Well, and I think there's designers and restaurants and chefs where you go and that works for them and, and yeah it works yeah. for them or you know what you're getting into right you know that you know it's going to be something very avant-garde but you've you're walking into that with that expectation and you are comfortable letting go and letting right. them take control but that's not what i offer yeah you know? me neither you know and yeah. there's like you know three michelin starred restaurants in europe that are doing crazy stuff and and you go and you eat exactly what you're given and and no that, questions asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's spectacular and that's, But that's not your business model. That's not what we're doing. Yeah. And I yeah. you know, and it's just that's not what Athens needs. No. No, yeah. no, no. And 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 knowing that is mm-hmm. how you have been successful. Um, One of the I ways. Think so. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you talk to when mm-hmm. you're struggling? Who is your mentor? Uh that's a good question. Who do I talk to? Um I actually actually so I share um well, I, I live at um, a friend's house, basically, um, for a number of years. Um, Melissa Roberts, who is the executive director of Canopy, yep. um, she um, was living alone in this big house. And at the time, I was leaving where I was living, and a friend connected us. And it just has been a really great relationship, because in the beginning of the restaurant, I was just never at home. So I wanted to live in a home but I didn't have the time or energy to create a home right. like I would have lived in this very Spartan bachelor pad <laughs> that was very sad and no life uh, and when you come home after a long day you know it's nice yeah. to um, be be in a cozy home yes. and that wasn't something that I w- could, could could handle at the time because right, no. um, you do have limits yeah. Everybody has limits <laughs> of what you can do. So, and then Melissa didn't, you know, want to live by herself. And I mean, it seems a little I don't, immature at times to say, like, I have a roommate. But but I, it's been wonderful. Uh, and she's super busy with work. We're kind of ships that pass in the night. But we have close friends in common. And uh, she is the director of an organization. So we often compare notes, you yeah. know, and talk about what's going on. And, and while we're in really different Industries, you know, aerial dance, you know, right. it's different than what I do. <laughs> but bet. but we manage teams. We yeah. have clientele that we need to make happy. We we deal with revenue. We have bottom and, lines. Yeah. yeah so exactly. I mean, honestly, yeah. we probably have more in common than we. Oh yeah, than I love we that. Have different. Um, and so that, that's 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 always great. Um, I have a, a close friend in Seattle who was a uh, he was a sous chef with me at Five and Ten, and he's become a bread baker, and. He's probably my closest chef friend mm-hmm. um, in in the in the food industry, um, and then um, I don't know. And then there's other people in the business who, you know, I talk to, and um, Cupper at Mama's Boy is a dear friend, and we we compare notes and 
bitch about things. <laughs> it's okay to say that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ken and Melinda at White Tiger. It's your podcast. You can curse. It's your... <laughs> You've met me. <laughs> but uh, Ken and Melinda White Tiger, I adore them. And then, I mean, there's so many people. The, the yeah. restaurant industry in Athens, um, in a lot of ways, it's incestuous. Like, we've all... I'm, you know, Work worked together, with each other yeah. um, in different each ways. Other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I love. I love that about Athens. Um, Everyone supports each other in business. It's yeah, amazing. So it's, it's a, a great, great Yeah, and I don't view any of them as competitors. Like, I want people to eat at independent restaurants uh, right. in Athens. So right. if you eat at mine, awesome. If you eat with Mimi at Homemade or right. Ryan and Shay at Donna Chang's or at Heirloom or wherever, uh, Chuck at Pulaski Heights. Right. He was my boss at you know he was the sous chef under Hugh at five and ten um and now he does this amazing barbecue place which is so cool so um yeah so it's a wonderful community um and so we definitely you know rely on each other um when there's issues yeah absolutely so all right we talked about you know what lessons you've learned um what have been some of your struggles who has had the biggest impact on your life thus far I'm going heavy today. Yeah, that is really heavy. I mean, well, one thing is like I, my mind wanders constantly. So it's hard to like pinpoint one person. There's definitely been some really influential people. I mean, certainly my dad Mm -hmm. um, is, uh, he is, um, he's retired. He was a professor in agriculture. He became, you know, a poultry scientist. And that's why we stayed in Athens because there's so many chickens in North Georgia. (laughs) Uh, But we, but he is a, incredibly curious person about everything and Mm -hmm. so he just sort of growing up in his house um, we learned about history and we learned about politics and now he's super into geology and learning about rocks and we we went camping we went hiking we you know he didn't like us to he hated when we'd want to watch Saturday morning cartoons like he wanted us to be outside doing something something. Yeah. yeah and so you know, just having a curiosity about the world. Yeah. And that that I got from my dad. Um, I love that. Um, Jim Fiscus is a good friend of mine. He's a photographer. Very renowned photographer. Yeah. And he taught me, um, well, I think what I admire about him is that he is a world-renowned photographer. Like, people, his peers live in New York and L.A., and he lives in Athens. And so he values Athens and the quality of life we have here and that you can do big work and live in Athens and live in a small town yeah and so um that that's that was inspirational to me that I saw before I started cooking um and that has yeah as 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 an adult living in the small town you grew up in you you think did I make the right decision and then seeing someone like Jim yeah thrive um you know on the world stage and live in Athens and have this lovely life here. Inspired you. Yeah, absolutely. Or inspires you. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, absolutely. absolutely. Athens has a lot of inspiration. Yeah, there's it so really many people does. doing really big, interesting things. And not yeah. even big things, like small like, things yeah. that are that are spectacular. And, absolutely. Um, the community supports each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, if I was in another town of a similar size, like I don't – think that we would be doing all these things yeah so what is your life motto <laughs> life motto <laughs> I mean I have one what's yours tell oh, me yours I've never written one down 
Um, but I would say, like, don't wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I tell. And does that relate back to 9-11? Like, is that really when you started to think about I that? I think so. Or, yeah. I think so. And, and it was... Um, Ha- but another one is just to have a lot of life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that ties into, you know, not waiting till tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of jokingly say I'll try anything once. Right. You know. Right. Um, so um, whether it's food or, or a business or, or I don't know, you, you name it. Right. Uh, I, I want to have a lot of different life experiences. Right. Uh, and, and see lots of things and meet lots of people. And, you know, there's times where you interact with some total weirdos and <laughs> and I'm like that's kind of awesome you are a freak and I really enjoyed talking to you or meeting yeah. you and you know you, you may not come to Thanksgiving but you, I really enjoyed hanging out with you and your crazy ideas um one of the things I like <laughs> most about you is that you're very open to different people's energy I see mm. you connect and talk to people mm-hmm. all over your restaurant all over this town and mm-hmm. you're so open and you appreciate people for who they are and I really Thanks. admire that about you and like that about you. So I can see how that plays in your motto. <laughs> All right. This is something that you and I have talked about mm-hmm. and texted about uh-huh. and all sorts Uh-oh. of things. I wonder where this is going. <laughs> how, it's not as bad as you think. Mm-hmm. How do you achieve balance? Oh, that's hard. Uh, and I, I think don't... you're balanced right now. Like I told you the other night. Like, yeah. You are really balanced. Like this is the best energy mm. from you I've felt mm. in a while. Yeah. Well, I have a I have a great partner, yeah. and that helps a lot to have something that's important that is not work, that yes. is a priority, and that takes precedent over work. Yeah, and that wasn't something I had for a long, for a long time. time. Yeah, and so that that's that's been really key. And so I think whether that's your you, your spouse, partner, or whether it's kids, which I don't have kids, but but I would imagine that has a similar place right. where that takes priority over, yeah. you know, your to-do list. Right. Um, so I feel like that, that's been pretty important. Um, and then I've tried to have some hobbies or just to go to the gym and be somewhere where you are You're aren't. not Peter Dale, chef and business owner. No, I'm like struggling <laughs> guy on the treadmill. Right. Um, and it's good to to be in a place where you don't have the answers where you have all the questions right um and you're you're definitely not and and anonymous too like in this small town i I think it takes myself me out of my head Mm -hmm. um when i can be somewhere at fuel yoga Mm -hmm. or you know uh shakti yoga or whatever and i'm just like you said Mm -hmm. i'm just on a mat sweating and like no one knows that i'm run a business or whatever, you know, yeah. just by myself. Yeah. And that or even really if helps. they do, you're in a place where everybody is sweating and nobody looks good. Or they don't care. They <laughs> yeah, don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that that's, that's good um, to, to A, uh, get, you know, deal, I feel like I, if I have anxiety, like exercise, Yeah. and this is not to say that I'm a great athlete or, a, you know, I have a lot of work to do, but, it, you know, I feel like getting that energy out is actually, it expels. Right that anxious energy absolutely i mean that's been me. proven yeah. yeah i mean that's yeah for sure uh-huh. whenever graham gets all funky i'm like go for a run <laughs> come back later i'll talk yeah. to you later um balance is hard mm-hmm. though i mean something mm-hmm. i struggle with i don't have good balance right now yeah. at all and 
I feel like as a business owner, it's one of the hardest things mm-hmm. to step away from your business at night. Yeah. One thing we did start doing this year is we're starting to leave the briefcase at the door. Okay, yeah. So that's been a big thing since we're married and work together. Totally. But I think it's a big thing even if you're not married to your business partner, just yeah. to like not always carry everything on you. Right, right. Um, well, and I think that we, you know, I love my phone and honestly, I love all the apps and gadgets, but it is tough because it means that people can always reach you or you can always reach people. Mm-hmm. Um, we just started at Condor using Slack, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think we is not... We learned about that at um, the Southern Summit. Yeah, the you Southern Sea, yeah. yeah. And so, and I'm sure that there's a lot, you know, a lot of people use it all the time. It's not a brand new thing, but but what I really, one of the things that I really enjoy and, and appreciate about it is that we, rather than using email and text, which will light up on your phone, at 11 o'clock at night when you're trying to go to sleep, you know, you check your Slack mm-hmm. channel right? when you're ready to do work. And so I appreciate that, that maybe I'm up late and I can send a message to someone uh, who's helping design something at Condor, and maybe it's 11, 12 o'clock at night where I had an idea, but they will see that message when they are ready hours, to be working. Right? So whether that's at that moment or maybe that's the next morning after they've had their coffee and they're in the right headspace to receive that information rather than feeling like they're being bombarded um so that's my my new thing and hope (laughs) i can implement it yeah yeah yeah, just it's true it's true um we were well we weren't skiing i don't ski but graham was (laughs) skiing in colorado and he was on top of a mountain and got a text about a a, quote emergency which wasn't Mm -hmm. you know i always say there's no emergencies in decorating (laughs) um but um he was and he was so mad yeah and he skied down the mountain mountain and we talked and i said well why did you check your work email Mm -hmm. or why did you check your text when you're on top of a mountain and he's like because it's what i do Mm -hmm. you know and so Mm -hmm. that we need to look into that tool it sounds good but yeah yeah, i think things like that like you know tools help you achieve balance having Mm -hmm. a good partner who Mm It can really be a support system helps you achieve yeah, balance. Sure. It's yeah. hard. I'm no, it is hard. It's, it's hard. It's a struggle. It is. <laughs> so um, what do you do in your free time when you are not business owner, head mm-hmm. chef, entrepreneur? What do you do? Uh, well, I, I crash. <laughs> crash and burn. <laughs> uh, no, that's not true. I mean, I, I like to see friends. Um Although sometimes uh, I am talking to people all day long and interacting mm-hmm. with people, so sometimes I just want to go home and Netflix and, and chill. Yeah, yeah, turn down the lights and I have two dogs now and, and just hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, Jay, my partner, travels a lot um, during the week. Um, so yeah, have a date night Yeah, um, and just, just the two of us. Um, but also, now, is, your, yeah. are, is your free time fancy or is your free time like sweats and, you know, just uh, relax? It's and, not usually fancy. Yeah. I mean, some, like, so Jay's in Atlanta, so sometimes we'll go to a nice restaurant in Atlanta for a date night. Yeah. But, I mean, it's never like fancy fancy. Because um, sometimes I'll pick him up at the airport and then we'll get it straight to dinner. Right. Um, so, but, um, no, I, when I get home I change and like take off my shoes and put on shorts and a t-shirt yeah yeah do you cook for yourself and and do you cook for jay or do you just leave the knives and the you know the cooking in the kitchen <laughs> that you the kitchens that you own yeah well yeah melissa will tell you um like neither of us cook at home very much right um so 
Yeah, I'm, I've actually been doing this thing, intermittent fasting. So actually, I don't even have breakfast really at home. I just make coffee at home. So if I'm cooking at home, I bring it. From, like from either work or from right. the market. Like, you know, we're very European in that way where you shop for each meal. Right. So I don't really have a lot of food at home. So, yeah, and actually Jay will tell you I probably cook for him twice, which is very <laughs> sad. I should admit that. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, like, people tell me all the time, if you come over to my house tonight, mm-hmm. don't like a friend of mine, don't mm-hmm. look at my curtains. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not going to look at your curtains. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. A, you're not my client. B, my design brain is off. Right. Um, yeah, people tell me that they're intimidated to cook for me, and I'm Oh, like, absolutely. I've told you that for years. I was like, I will I don't know. Why. I mean, honestly, like, I grew up in Athens, so on the east side, so, like, my favorite place growing up was Taco Stand, and... I mean, so it, it, in my heart, I'm not, like, a fancy guy. Like, my, right. mo- my favorite dish my mom makes is this chicken casserole that is, like, cream of chicken soup and rice, and then it has rice, um, rice Krispies on top. Is that a, from the Betty Crocker cookbook? No, that was from a, a, a family friend. Okay. Ginny um, Grote, who used to live in town, and so that's Ginny Grote's chicken casserole. <laughs> And, and you love it. It's delicious. <laughs> it's, I mean, we would never serve it in the restaurant, but it's <laughs> delicious. And actually, I wouldn't want to because I don't want to blur those You're lines. T- right. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question. Mm. What is your guilty food pleasure like? Mm. You know, do you like nachos from the movie theater? Do you uh, like... Well, one, like movie theater kind of stuff. I love peanut M&M's. Okay. So we actually just went to New York this weekend and we saw a show, um, this play on Broadway, and we got... Two rounds of peanut M&M's. So after having this like really gorgeous meal in New York, then we like That's my, chow down on peanut, peanut M&M's. They're so good. Yeah. So and good. I'm like, oh, I'm having peanuts. There's protein. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's probably one of my my. What about fast food? Pleasures. If you ever eat fast food, where do you go? Um. Well. <laughs> I mean, I live on Boulevard, so there's a McDonald's. So sometimes after midnight, there's not a lot of options. What do you so eat at McDonald's? I, I like a little cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> do you change it up or you just get it like as it is? Ketchup, just as onions. it is. You know, I used to not get it with pickles, but now I've embraced the pickles on mm-hmm. it. So yeah, just one I, one I, little cheeseburger. They're good. <laughs> I like right. the. I actually like the McChicken. I'm sorry, but I do. All right. Because I used to get it in Europe all the time. Yeah. And that was like going to McDonald's in Europe was mm-hmm. like a big deal. Yeah. Well, know? my my mom, you know, fed us very healthy, a very yeah. She was very conscientious about what we were fed as kids and really tried to get us eat vegetables and. My mom too. Yeah. And you know we and we didn't go out to eat. I feel like people didn't go out to eat as much as. No, they my do mom now. cooked three meals a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had dinner. I will say, my mom, I mean, she's really a hero. Um, she prepared dinner, like a different meal, seven nights a week, and it was like on the table at 6 o'clock. So my mom. Because we watched For Peter years. Jennings at 7. Yeah, That was exactly. our routine. Um, but, yeah, so we didn't go out to eat. So McDonald's was a treat Oh yeah. as a kid. Yeah. And so but I still associate it with it's, you know, it's, it's something treat. special. It's, it's not a, special. a regular yeah. thing. yeah. When I went to college, I started, it was the first time I ever really was allowed to eat Big Macs or anything mm, like that, so uh-huh. I ate a lot of Big Macs in college. <laughs> you were really rebelling, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was really rebelling, yeah. Um, so where, what's next for you? What's mm-hmm. next for the businesses? Yeah. What, where are you going? Um, mm-hmm. And what is, tell me something new and exciting that's on the horizon for you. Well, 
the businesses, um, Maypole and Condor, um, have a lot of room to grow. So the idea with Maypole, we wanted to bring, um, you know, fresh, good for you food that tastes good, that is accessible price point and also access. So you know, it's it it's if you're in a hurry, um, if you're in your gym clothes, if you just want to take it to go and eat in your car, like. It, I wanted it to be all those things because that was actually something that I, I was looking for. If I'm in a hurry um, running errands, and I, but I want to get something healthy or maybe I'm doing paleo or keto or right. something, you know, there, there weren't, there's not a lot of options. No. Um, so that, that's something that was important to me. And so growing right. that mm-hmm. is, is, is a big priority for, for going for, moving forward. Right. Um, and then Condor, um, we're we're it's been growing tremendously the past couple of years and so we're now in in whole, the whole food stores in atlanta and in charleston and so there's just a lot of growth potential there um so working on those brands um it is important them. to me yeah right. yeah um there are also brands that can um, grow without my physical presence mm-hmm. um it's you know it's not that important that i'm physically there right in the in those brands, so that's another reason I feel like they can they can grow because um, you yeah. can't be everywhere at once. Uh, so the other thing is just generally is and this goes to delegating, but also empowering um, people. So if we grow Maple Condor or sort of any other concept, um, it's probably not going to be my my food, for example. Right. Like I, I want I we've got awesome people working for us who. Um, or even who may not be working for us yet, who are out there that we don't know yet, but who are ready to grow themselves. And so I want to be someone who helps empower the next generation. Of chefs. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, Hugh did that for me. Right. Um, you know, we, I don't, I, I'm not even sure how many years age difference we are, but, you know, there's people, you know, maybe it's seven, eight years, and there's people that are seven, eight years younger than me who are ready to take the next step right. um, and have that energy and drive, you know, to be at the restaurant from 6 a.m. to yeah. 3 a.m. that I used to do that. I, can't. I can't do that now. Right. I, I die. I, I but, know. uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah. so, you know, helping, helping those people grow. Uh, grow. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and reach their full potential. Yeah. Being more of a mentor yeah. and a, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, because the people have, yeah. people did that for me. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm happy to, mm-hmm. like, I want to do that. And, and if that grows, you know, my sort of group of, of businesses or whether it's um, um, helping other yeah. entrepreneurs in town do their thing. That's then, great. Then that, that, that's what's really fun for me. So I don't, I don't necessarily see more Peterdale helmed restaurants. Right. Um, really? But, yeah. Um, you know, if, if there's future restaurants, it's, it's going to be someone else's menu. Like I've guided them. Yeah. But, um, you don't you know. think you can do something like open another na- version of the national or another national. I mean, never say else. never, but right. I don't, I don't foresee that. I, I would rather if we open another restaurant, then it needs to be someone else's menu. They're the chef and yeah. I, I'm happy to stand in the background. I get that. Them. I mean, first of all, opening something new that you're running is like going through that first year again. And I think yeah. once you've been through your first year of your 
core business, you mm-hmm. just can't, you're just like, I, I can't go back. It's like when I yeah. first had twins, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then two years later, I was mm-hmm. like, I can never go through that again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, this was yeah. a lot, right, you know, right. like you have PTSD yeah, yeah. from your first year in business. You know, oh, really? if you're, if you stay open and you keep hiring people and keep growing mm-hmm. um, rapidly, yeah. you know, so I get that. Like yeah. you, you've, you've done that. Right. Yeah. And but I do miss like like being more like hands on in in the kitchen. So um, I definitely could see where maybe there's like a pop up scenario or right. or a dinner series. Um, I'm actually doing a, two dinners Thursday and Friday in Alabama for a, um, a supper club in Alabama. Oh my gosh! And um, it's a friend moved um, to Opelika. She's now uh, working at Auburn and. Um, she asked me if I wanted to be the guest chef at the supper club, and and so I'm. It's twelve people Fine. each night, and it's just me, and um, I, I think it's gonna be really fun. Yeah, and, you know. So you'd rather do small things like that yeah. that are hands on yeah. than yeah. Yeah, because okay. I mean, I still I I love cooking, and yeah. I think this is like a you know a set menu. It's a, it's a small intimate crowd. And so I think that'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. when I first met you, you shied mm-hmm. away from things like that. Um, maybe, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think you grew you, you, you grew up a little bit. Or yeah. it grew into oh, I think where you definitely are grew now. up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you sort of get more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I think that happened after I turned 40 that, yeah, I don't care anymore. Like, Me about, either. about, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, about certain things like, you know, yeah, being yeah. self conscious or, that yeah. kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. This is who I am. You know. Yes. You can, it's hard to teach an old you dog new tricks. You and I both tricks. went through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely. Yeah. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing after 40 was just feeling like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm okay I with like me. Yeah. I'm okay with yeah. me. I hope you are too. And I would love for you to be in my life yeah. and be part of my, you know, eat at my restaurant or mm-hmm. help me design your house. But I, I'm okay with me. I know who yeah. I am. Yeah. Because when you're younger, yeah, you're always, you're, you're searching for trying to figure out who yeah. you are. Yeah. And then, you know, there's certainly things that I'm working on of that can course. be improved. Yeah. But, but yeah, but Evolution yeah. Evolution is key. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question is what is the next, oh, well, you didn't tell me first. Uh, what's, what's next that? for you personally? Oh, personally. Um, well, I think we're, um, well, figuring out that balance. So, yeah. yeah, my partner Jay started a new job where he's traveling a lot. So, actually, these past few months have been figuring out um, what what life is like when one half of the couple is gone four nights a week. Right. Um, so, that's been an adjustment. And, it, you know, it's fine. We're just figuring it out how to, how to make that work with right. my schedule, his schedule, making the most of when the time together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that that's something that I'm trying to figure out. Right. And the, kind yeah. of for your first time ever. Yeah, like yeah. Serious relationship and yeah. yeah. I've had a big fear of commitment relationship <laughs> wise. So <laughs> so You're yeah. getting through it. Evolution, yeah. evolution. You're growing. You're learning. <laughs> and Jay's incredible. I've had the pleasure of hanging out with him and he's yeah. he's a really pretty, solid pretty solid lucky. guy. Yeah. yeah. So all right, my last question, I promise, um, I know this has been a big interview, but um, is what is the next, what do you see as the next big food trend? So this is a trend that, that's been going on for a while, but I think it's just going to be building more and more momentum, and that's just sort of less meat. 
in our lives. Um, and so just from a sustainability point of view, um, you know, we just, the whole world can't eat as much animal protein as Americans eat. And it's just not possible to mm-hmm. produce that much food to then feed the animals, to then feed us. Like, it's just not going to work um, from an environmental point of view or even just an economic point of view. Like, a, I'm not trying to make a political statement. It's just no, like, right. it just doesn't work. Right. So I think that we are slowly and in a really great way embracing eating less meat. And so what, what, I, but what I think that that means for me, I was actually talking about restaurant menus earlier today, and and what I actually when we went to New York last weekend, we ate as a you know two people a two top, uh, we ate three or four small plates that generally did not have any mm-hmm. meat, maybe some cheese or something, but three or four small plates, vegetable focused, and then we shared an entree that was like a piece of fish or a piece of meat, um, and so the result was like we ate a lot less animal meat than if we had just ordered sort of traditionally like my appetizer my entree right um so i i I think that's certainly the trend like uh the meat-free burgers Mm -hmm. um, the national we've served impossible burgers and then there were we couldn't get them for two months and people thought that we had just changed the menu and we didn't we weren't gonna be serving anymore and people were asking about them and it was just like we just couldn't get them they were they're so in demand and we just were able to get them back so yeah, I think that, that people are looking for it. And then also, I think just economically and environmentally, that's what we need to be doing. Um, and then there's so many amazing things you can do with vegetables. Yes. Um, and, and then what I really like is highlighting, you know, maybe using vegetables and then maybe there's a little bit of meat in the dish. Mm-hmm. that rounds it out, gives it some extra, a little bit of fat. Well, that's very um, Southern, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what, like, honestly, it's what, what poor people eat because, mm-hmm. you know, you if you, you know, were a small farmer, like, you couldn't eat pork chops every night. Right, Because right. your pig only produced so many pork chops. Yeah, my mom still acts like meat is a luxury. Like, yeah. she's like, if there's a sale on chicken breast, you mm-hmm. know, she's, mm-hmm. like, telling me about it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's 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 what we need to... What we'll go back to right. is that we, you know, I think we will always eat meat right? generally as a society, but I think that we'll just eat less of it, mm-hmm. and what we do eat will be, will have been raised better, treated better. Um, so I think it's a net positive, and it's necessary. Yeah, but. interesting. Yeah, I just called my mom and said, I'm dying for a southern meal, uh-huh. meat-free, uh-huh. and I'm not a vegetarian. Yeah. Um, I want lace cornbread, mm-hmm. I want rutabagas, I want collards, mm. I want, uh, I was like giving yeah. her all this, and she's now, like... Now, is there a pork in your collards? There is a little pork in my collards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, that's the classic example. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of that pork fat. But sometimes you crave, like, just yeah. vegetables. Like, I yeah. love the Mediterranean diet of just mm-hmm. to- so many vegetables and yeah. healthy and fresh, especially in the mm-hmm. summer, you know? Sure, sure. So, yeah. good. those are all my questions. Thank well, you for being fun. with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Peter, for being on our podcast today. We had so much fun. If you haven't been to the National, well, friends, you're missing out. It is literally one of my favorite places on the planet Earth to have lunch or dinner. Maple is my healthy go-to spot in town. It's incredible. It's a, you just can't miss it. Condor chocolates, perfect for that sweet treat, all made in-house. I mean, 
he's doing amazing thing, has amazing partners, has a great team. He's truly an incredible, incredible business entrepreneur. So thank you again, Peter. And we look forward to dining in all of your fabulous establishments very, very soon. I might go tonight. Until next time.